most competitive guy. Uh, I mean, I would throw in Michael Jordan, Isaiah Thomas, oh, yeah. Kobe Bryant. It's basketball. It can't be, you know, you, you can't overthink it. Hello, everybody. Just caught me um, eating a cookie, a little snack here. I'm Terry Foster, and uh, welcome to King and Foster. want to see if uh, Jimmy King is uh, joining us. I wore a little Texas swag for him today. You with us? Haven't heard from you today, but <clears throat> while we're waiting for Jimmy, uh, I want to get into our Detroit Lions. <coughs> Excuse me. Um Matt Patricia and Quinn are still your coach and general manager. I think it's a travesty. We should both be gone. I heard Dave Bur Bur Burkett talk about he doesn't see the need of getting rid of coaches in the middle of the season. And I used to believe that too. Here's what I also believe. I believe these are not the right guys. They've had three years almost. They have a win percentage that rivals Matt Millen. Matt Millen, who is probably the worst general manager in sports history, had a .270 win percentage. Do you know what Matt Patricia's is? .272. Two one-hundredths of, of a percentage point higher, which is basically the same. So what the Lions are doing is they're going through the Matt Millen era again, the worst period in Lions history, one of the worst periods in sports history. What more is there to see? They gave Matt Millen eight years, and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse, and that culminated in 0-16. You have the wrong guys in place. You don't have the right team. You don't have the right personnel. You don't have the right coaching. I suppose you could go through another three and twelve season, or three and thirteen season, or two and fourteen season, and you get a high draft pick. But they'll screw that up. Everybody would be excited, uh, you know, if they're in position to get Trevor Lawrence. But knowing the Detroit Lions. <clears throat> They won't even draft Trevor Lawrence because they love Matthew Stafford so much. Look, they need Quinn gone, Patricia gone, and the Matthew Stafford 12-year reign needs to end also. And I don't believe this is his fault. I think Matthew Stafford's biggest flaw, and we see some flaws this year, but I'm thinking overall for the 12 years, his biggest flaw is he plays for the Detroit Lions. What quarterback wins playoff games for the Detroit Lions? What quarterback leads them to the playoffs? Not many. And right now, we're going through the Matt Millen era again, and it's just pretty pathetic. Do we have Jimmy King with us yet? Nope. So, anyway, um, this is, you know, just a, another tragedy for the Detroit Lions. And um, I asked this question at the beginning of the season. A lot of y'all got mad at me. 
why do you put your heart and soul into this team every year? I'm not saying you shouldn't root for them. Yes, you should root for your teams. This is your local NFL team. But you have high expectations for this team. Why? And then when they let you down, which they usually do, you get so fucking pissed off. You want to break TVs. You want to fight people. You want to punch people. You want to throw yourself in the Detroit River and drown yourself because of this team. They don't care about you. If they did, they would listen to you sometime. For my dealing with the Detroit Lions, and it's been since, I'd say mostly since the 90s when Barry Sanders was here. I followed them in the 70s. And the things that you're saying about the team today in 2020, same thing Lion fans said about them in 1970, 1980. The only reprieve we've had is Barry Sanders. People say, yeah, I forgive the flaws of this team because I can see Barry Sanders perform. What player on the Detroit Lions would you pay money to go see? Nobody. There, There's no player that's Hall of Fame caliber. And yet, even though Matthew Stafford will probably make the Pro Football Hall of Fame based on stats, but it won't be, won't be based on Playoff wins won't be placed based on championships. It won't be based on the things that you care about. The, the fact is, is he, he slings the ball a lot, and he gets a lot of yards. He throws for touchdown passes. He also throws for a few interceptions. And um, he's just all right. In Hall of Fame, in stats alone, not – to me, a Hall of Fame guy. He's not the guy that you look at and just say, you know what? Hall of Fame guy. And there's certain people like that. Uh, Patrick Mahomes will be that way. Hall of Fame guy. Um, guys that play for the Lions. Barry Sanders. You just looked at him and said, Hall of Fame guy. And Barry didn't win anything. He won one playoff game. But he was so spectacular on the field that it's uh, a Hall of Fame guy. Matthew Stafford will probably make it. But when he leaves here, you're going to be disappointed because you're going to look at him and say, you know, he's been here for 12 years, 14 years, 15 years. Because the Lions don't want to let him go yet, just to let you know. He's going to leave here with no championships, and he'll probably leave here with no playoff victories. How's that the Hall of Fame? But he'll make it. He'll be in there. Now, the thing that we we need to think about is where does this team go next? The Lions are um, right where they were in the 70s, right where they were when Matt Millen came in here. No direction. Um, I'll ask you this question. What's the identity of this team? And, I, and not all the smart-ass shit that you can say with they're losers and they – give up double-digit leads, um, they stink. I'm talking about what is the identity of this team? What does this team try to accomplish? Coach can't even tell you that. They asked uh, Matt Patricia that uh, a couple weeks ago, and he gave this long, convoluted answer about the New England Patriots and the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he said absolutely nothing because he doesn't know what the identity is. 
So if he doesn't know what type of identity he's trying to create here, why keep him? I say move on. Find somebody else. I'd rather give it to an interim coach and then find the real guy, maybe Eric Bianami, or there's a bunch of uh, other guys that um, could take this team on. But here's my question. For those who say don't fire Matt Patricia, Okay, he's been here for three years, right? And we used to give coaches five years to show their things, and then cha things change. And you could be fired after two years. You can be fired after one year. But I will ask you this, because I don't have the answer. Maybe some of you have the answer. What do the Lions do better today than they did under Jim Caldwell? What do the Lions do better today than they did the first day that Matt Patricia took over. Do they run the ball better? No. Uh, is Matthew Stafford a better quarterback? Sadly, no. The defense must be better, right? Nope, that hasn't happened either. The win-loss percentage, that's gotta be better, right? Because remember, nine wins is not good enough? No, that's faltered too. So, they're not even improving things. This guy comes in and says, you know, when I took over, had a lot of work to do. Well, I would say you have even more work to do. You still haven't figured out that defense. You haven't figured out the running game. You haven't figured out the passing. And what else is there? You got a great punter. Whoop-de-doo. That's great. I'm glad to hear that because every time you go three and out, at least you're gaining a little traction through your punter. But the Lions are pathetic, and they've been pathetic for years. Um, I don't like this team. I'll admit, I don't like them because they disappoint you all the time. That's what pisses me off about this team. You can't, you can't win a playoff game. You can't make the playoffs. And, you know, one day the Lions will probably make the playoffs. But here's a stat I'm going to give to you. When you look at the bad teams in the NFL, <clears throat> I'm talking about the awful teams, they make the playoffs on average three out of 10 years. So now Patricia's about to go 0 for 3. Do you think in order to be a good team, <clears throat> he's going to make the playoffs, I don't know, four out of the next six years? I don't think so. This is, this is a misfit, misfit organization, misfit coaching staff, and it's just, it's just not right. Now, point number two is a discussion I have had with some of my former media brothers. I think they've been way too soft on Matt Patricia until maybe this week. Um, Jim Caldwell, his second year here, they're on his ass because they knew he had bad clock management. He was winning nine games, which for the Lions is like wonderful. But he wasn't winning playoff games. He wasn't making playoff runs. This is not a championship caliber team. Couldn't even win a division title. Weren't gonna win a division title. So you were hired on him after two years and he's winning nine games. And I think he won 11 a couple of years before that. And then I think Matt Patricia 
he's come in here and he's been awful. Six wins his first year, three year, three wins next year. This year he's one and three. And and like I've said, this is the worst stretch of football. This ties the worst stretch of football in Lions history. And I think people were soft on him. Nobody questioned his job status. Nobody pointed out what an awful job he was doing. They were throwing a little stuff like here and there, like, well, the defense isn't very good. Um, my question is this. What is the media supposed to do? When you look at the media, and we're, let's, let's look at the sports media, I think we're supposed to be advocates. And in fact, uh, when I was <clears throat> writing columns, when I was jetting around the country, I used to have conversations with Mike Wilbon and, and Brian Burwell. And, you know, we, we would talk about what is a columnist's job supposed to do? You're supposed to be an advocate. You're supposed to push things along. You're supposed to be an expert on things. You're supposed to guide teams into a certain direction that you think will be best for them. And if they're failing, you're supposed to point out those failings and you're supposed to come up with solutions. I don't think that's happening with the Detroit media here. I think we're just kind of saying, well, the defense is bad. I think this week, finally, after a horrible 36 games, finally, the Detroit media is saying enough is enough. This is a shitty organization. This is a shitty coaching staff. This is an awful front office. They got to do something. Finally. But I think, you know, it's too late. Now, the Fords, they love that. Um, you know, nobody, you know, is, is uh, scrutinizing them. So they probably think, oh, we're doing all right. Media's staying off our ass. But um, I think my media brothers and sisters should have been more forceful earlier with this organization. Because the people suffering, are you out there, the fans? You're suffering because you want this team to win. I know a lot of you lie and so say, I'm Lions free, but you're waiting. You're waiting for a spark. You're waiting for this team to win, and not even four games in a row. You want them to win two games in a row so you can say, I told you, told you, big fat face, Foss, that you were wrong about this team. If the Lions were two and two now, y'all would be celebrating because. You always see the silver lining or this phantom championship run that I never see with the Detroit Lions. And I think you know a lot of people in this community are sick and you're sick and tired. You're sick and tired of this organization, but you still love them. And uh, <clears throat> it's something y'all have to... Uh, to work out. Now, do we have a uh, Mr. Jimmy King? Because Jimmy King is a big Lions fan. Is he with me today or not? I'm going to take that as a no. He's probably having a good time in the sun in Texas. Um, but anyway, uh, it's, it's, it's a tough stretch. Um, and it's, you know, it's been that way for a while. I mean, I, here's how old I am. I was at the last Lions playoff victory. 1991, Silverdome, and you people were absolutely nuts. And it was Detroit Lions against the Dallas Cowboys. And this is what this game supposedly represented, 1991. Uh, 
whoever won that game was going to be the next it. They were going to be the next Pittsburgh Steelers. They're going to be the next San Francisco 49ers when they were good. They're going to be the next Green Bay Packers. Uh, and currently now the next New England Patriots. That's what this winner was supposed to be. Lions blew out the Dallas Cowboys. Blew them out. I think it was, uh, was it 38-6 to six or something like that. Anyway, they, they just murdered them. So they were supposed to be the next thing. I, uh, I talked to players afterwards, particularly Robert Porsche, uh, who I used to talk with frequently after games. And here's what he thought. We're on our way. We're going to be talking about multiple playoff wins. We're going to be talking about at least one or two Super Bowl appearances. We're going to start talking about division titles because you remember at the time they had Barry Sanders, Herman Moore, they had Chris Spielman. They had a pretty good defensive line, and you know one of their, I guess one of their flaws was the coaching staff. Wayne Fonts, who's the winning and losingest coach in Lions history, he was allowed to hire his brothers, put them on the payroll, and they didn't do diddly squat as coaches. Uh, when you look back on the Lions in the '90s. I think their biggest flaws was they weren't getting proper coaching. And um, I just remember back then, I would criticize a unit uh, on, on, on the Lions. And ultimately, one of those players would grab me and they would bitch about their coaching off the record and say, get off their ass because it's not their fault. Um, now, and, you know, I kind of believed him. But, you know, are they going to say that on the record? No. Uh, and I, and and one of the, the problems with the media today is COVID-19. These guys and women are not allowed in the dressing room uh, because now they're doing all the interviews um, via Zoom and Skype or whatever it is. You cannot build a relationship with someone. Uh, one of the quiet secrets about the media and athletes is it's a people business. We get our stories, we get our insight uh, because we've developed relationships. And the only way really now to develop a relationship is by being in the dressing room, talking to people, just kind of shooting the breeze. Maybe they'll see a friendly face and say, you know what? I'm going to tell this guy the real deal. But you can't do that when everything is on a computer. You absolutely cannot do that. You can't build a relationship. So I, I, I would think that the sports writers don't know what's really going on with the Lions or the Pistons or the Red Wings or the Tigers because everything is via Zoom. And, yeah, you can get your quotes and – you can ask your questions and everything, but you can't talk to a person afterwards and say, hey, I know what you just said, but what's really going on with this team? This is what I used to do. I used to, you know, hold my notepad up. This is not a notepad, but I used to hold it up and, and put it down and say, all right, we're off the record. We're, we're just shooting the breeze. What's really going on here? Um, sometimes they tell you and sometimes they tell you to go to hell. But 
you had a better chance of figuring out what's really going on with the team when you're in the dressing room, when you're talking, you're shooting the breeze. Hey, how's the mom? How's how's your wife? How are the kids? How are they doing? And that's what sparks stories. That's what sparks me becoming as close to an expert on the team as I as I can be. Uh, I remember one time I had a discussion with a editor who said that, you know, you're supposed to be an expert on a team. And I told him that that's impossible. We cannot become experts on a team because we're not around them 24-7. They're guarded. And the one thing that teams used to do, which, you know, it was smart on their, t- on their part, if you're talking to a guy too long, they send over some fresh-faced young kid over there just to do like this, like, just to listen. What are you talking about? Because they didn't want their players telling us inside stuff. And the players knew that. So then when the intern or the young, fresh-faced person would come along doing like this, players ultimately would shut up. That's why you get phone numbers. And that's why you talk to people on the telephone. And that's why you have to have some personal relationship to find out what's going on with the team. And I think one of the problems now is the media across the nation, not just here in Detroit, is they they are no longer experts on their team because they don't have access to players. So we're all we all have to suffer a little bit. We're not getting insights, we're not getting scoops, we're not getting things. And that's why when you look at the last two weeks, here's the stories you're getting. All the players think Matt Patricia is the right guy. It's my fault. That's what the players are always saying. Players always do this. When a coach is on a on the hot seat, one of the easiest stories that you can get as a journalist is, it's not that coach's fault. The players have to play better. We hear that time after time after time. And guess who buys that? The public does. That's exactly what the organization wants you to believe. They don't want you to think that the coach is a nincompoop until the day he's fired. So the organization is happy that you're reading stories right now that said this is not Matt Patricia's fault. And if some people were to, to ask the question, they would say Quinn is not the fault either. He's just calling me. Somebody's calling me. Somebody answer the phone. We don't answer the phone at our house. So yeah, I'm just going to do this real quick. Bye. <clears throat> Because people call, because now I'm approaching, you know what, this is ridiculous. Um, That was somebody trying to sell something. What happens when you you get my age, every time the phone rings, it's never your friend saying, hey, let's go out to the bar, let's go have dinner, let's go get a burger, a pizza. Some fool in Florida trying to sell you drugs, hearing aids, cell phone stuff that you don't need, insurance. So don't get old. Well, get old because you don't want to die, but I'm just saying that's what they're trying to sell you. But anyway, relationships. That's the backbone of journalism, relationships. That's the backbone of getting information to you, relationships. And right now, because of COVID, we don't have those relationships and uh, you're the losers. I'm going to check one more time. Is Jimmy King there? 
I think we're not going to have Jimmy King today. So those those are things. Uh, I've been teasing him because he always tells me that how you know you know you play for the Fab Five. He keeps telling me how players made adjustments, how players um, um, you know made the dress code for the Fab Five. It was the players that made a lot of the, of the decisions. I've been teasing Jimmy and said, so in other words, it's true. You guys ran the team and not Steve Fisher. He said, oh, no, 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 Fish. Fish was all behind it. I think Jimmy's trying to tell me that Steve Fisher didn't really coach those guys. Anyway, uh, we have another show coming up. We'll be right back with more King and Foster. And maybe Jimmy King is going to join me. If not, then I'll ramble on for another 25 minutes or so. I'm Terry Foster. Hope you guys are doing well. And we'll see you again here on nrmstreamcast.com. Peace out.